probably. Yeah, I'll press the record button and that's recording. Yep. Dropping game episode four, I think it is, with Craig Colley. Big, big hunter with dog. What do you, how do you, what do you call it? Yeah, dog, dog and all. Yeah, dog and mate, pig dog and. Yeah. 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 How do you get into it? Like, obviously you've been doing it for a long time. Like how? How did it start for you? Uh, it started when I was a kid um, with my uncles with our sheep dogs. We had a farm out of Port's Retreat and had pigs on it out there. And yeah, from a young age, I, before I even went to school, like I'd gone pig hunting and we used to just use our sheep dogs and round them up and shoot them with 22 Magnum mostly. Right. And from there, that was just, um, yeah, from that moment on, I was just hooked on it. Just a adrenaline rush of using dogs to bail them up and catch them and. Yeah, just to, um, just to hunt in itself and learning from my uncles and that sort of thing, mate. I was hooked hooked from sort of day dot from a young age. and Yeah, that was, um, that's how I got started, like, liking it and knowing what to do with it. And it was more for them, like, oh, my uncles used to love going chasing them too, don't worry, but it was a lot too to stop them digging on our farm. Because they'd come in there and do a lot of damage. And uh, there wasn't a lot of pigs in the area as far as widespread like they are now, but they were definitely um, in that area. They were thick, thick as we used to catch a lot out there. But um, yeah, that was that sort of the big area of pigs there, and those places out there were the ones that used to cop a bit of a hiding off them. And yeah, so that's that's how I sort of got started into doing it. Yeah, so that was Baylor. Yeah, was that it? was with Baylor's then, mate. Yep. Um, lugging dogs come later on. I was about probably 1990, 1991, something like that. I started going out with um, an old bloke in town called Jack and Fawn. He used to live around the street behind us. That was the first time I'd actually seen dogs that lug big boars and that, not bail them up like our sheep dogs did. And, um, yeah, that even made it more. No rifle and just had a knife, and that made it more like, um, yeah, sort of adrenaline pumping then, and that's what sort of got me hooked on using dogs that grab pigs as well. And um, it was just that bit more, I suppose, going back to the, the old ways of hunting just with dogs and a knife and a blade and no firearms and that sort of thing. And, yeah, um, that's what sort of got me got me going with pig dogs and lugged on. Yeah, right. Is there a particular breed that you like to go for when you're selecting a dog? Oh, I don't like big dogs. I think they're um, not not in the country I hunt in anyway. It's too too much blackberry, too thick of scrub. Um, I like smaller dogs around that working dog size, like that thirty odd kilo sort of dogs that um, like a big kelpie that sort of size that can get through the tunnels quick and um, yeah run the pigs down. Because uh, back back years ago they used to pull up for the dogs easy, but now they just run run run. Like they know they've got to run to survive, and they've evolved over the years and. You need dogs that are quick, but you need dogs that are smart as well and um, to get around them because the pigs are certainly outsmart most of the dogs, especially the big boars. Uh, they've been chased and chased and chased by that many people now that yeah, they've worked out the ways of um, eluding the dogs. And, um, yeah, I, I see it even with my dogs now. I see it where they get left for dead by big boars um, different times. And I think uh, a lot of times they just plant and the dogs go past them and while they're looking they go back out the back way and I think a lot of times they just do a big circle through their little run that they know and they end up back to where they started but there's that much scent floating around then they, they throw the dogs off. But yeah, so you sort of need for this area like a dog that's got plenty of stamina. Um, my ones have got like cattle in them and a bit of kelpie in a couple of them but yeah, they've got black dane as well. But they haven't got the size of the Dane that's sort of been bred down smaller over the years since we've been breeding our own line for a long time. Um, so we've got them down to sort of that medium-sized dog, but they've got a lot of heart. They'll, not not too many pigs, although I haven't seen too many pigs that they don't grab when they do get hold of them. And uh, they've caught some big balls, but yeah. Uh, so as far as dogs, my preference, yeah, that's probably my preference anyway, those medium-sized sort of dogs. Yep. When you when you started, that was before GPS, yep. wasn't it? Yep. So when GPS came in, it, that was probably a big change 
what was it? Yeah, for sure, mate. Biggest change, um, definitely the biggest change in uh, pig hunting with dogs ever is uh, GPS collars. I did used to have the Bio Telemetry collars, which um, was a beeping-like collar that you used to follow where the strongest beep was. They were good. They were still better than what we had, which was nothing. And um, we used to just do it off all our own, like use your own brains and work out where the dogs might have went. Um, but as, like I said, as it's been evolving in time and more blokes and more blokes got into pig hunting, the pigs got smarter as the time went on. And, um, yeah, from the days when the dogs used to catch them 50 metres off the edge of the road to 200 metres off the edge of the road and catch every single pig, never lose a pig. Losing pigs was unheard of back when we were younger. We used to get, like, it didn't matter how big the boar was, he'd pull up and fight a dog or sow or whatever. You would catch every single pig you caught, like dogs found. But um, these days it sort of tips the other way a little bit in some instances and especially in some of the thick pine blocks around here to get hunted hard. The pigs are like, yeah, you've got someone chasing them nearly every day of the week. They soon learn how to get away. And, um, yeah, so now tracking collars, like, yeah, just a must, especially the GPS collars because they can show you the, tra the blocks you're hunting in, the creeks, everywhere you're going, and you can just work out where your dogs are travelling, where they're going to. But definitely the biggest change, the biggest change in um, hunting has been GPS collars by, by a long shot. And, uh, yeah, uh, they're the... I reckon they're worth their weight in gold. They've been the best thing I've ever invested in. Yep. Yep. What's What's the hardest hunt, pig hunt that you've done? Oh, jeez, mate, hardest. Um, there's been plenty of hard ones. In this area we live in, there's more hard ones than easy ones, to be honest with you. Um, trekking, Trekking your bloody uh, up and down mountains and through creeks and all that sort of part, that's that's hard work on you, hard work on the dogs, but um, mostly when they've got pigs, it's still rewarding no matter how hard the work is. Um, I don't know, as far as hardest, it's a bit hard to answer hardest. Um, I've had the probably worst hunts I could imagine is ones where I've lost my dogs for a long time and things like that especially before we got um, good tracking collars and we'd be walking for miles and driving for miles looking for dogs all night. Those sort of hunts were like used to drive you insane at times. Um, probably the biggest... Uh, I've only ever once in my whole life lost a dog. The only time I've ever returned without a dog was from a trip from out west and I, I blew the gearbox up in my ute. Um, it rained like you'd never seen rain before. We had utes bogged. Um, yeah, that was probably the worst hunt I've ever been on. I wasn't really with blokes. I one bloke that I usually hunt with, but the other two fellas I never used, I'd never been hunting with before. Um, it was probably a mistake before I left. I wasn't real comfortable with where I was going because I didn't know the area at all. And um, yeah, I didn't know the other two blokes real well at, at all either. And uh, yeah, that all added up to be probably the worst hunt that I can ever remember and it was back in probably about 1996 and still to this day it's probably the worst hunt I've ever been on. Right. I wished I had a stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> I was st still a baby then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's definitely, yeah, to say the worst, that'd be the worst hunt. I wouldn't say the hardest is in a sense as hardest on your body as um, taking its toll on you. Uh, I've had some big boars that have taken us on some really like big runs where dogs have still tracked them, you know, like on a GPS, three kilometres and that through mountains and rough country and uh, pulled the pigs up and that's that's tough as far as tough going on you when it's in really rough country. But like I said, at the end when you do get the pig, it's that rewarding. You forget about how hard it was to get there and how hard it is to pack him out or get him out, and um, yeah, you're just so stoked with the dogs to put in that extra effort to get them, that yeah, that's, that's sort of a bit different between tough and um, probably most worst hunt, yeah. Right, best hunt then? Oh geez, best hunt, um, my best hunt, I wouldn't say my best uh, one-off hunt, but my best run of hunts I had, he was back in about I think in our early 2000 drought, a lot of big boars were coming out of the park, like on our farm and that, and that area, I had a few other properties out around that area to hunt on, and 
there was a lot of big boars moving around then because the food had dried up so bad and all the creeks had dried up so bad down in the park. They were still big boars and they were carrying good weight. And I caught six boars over 100 kilo in, um, in less than three months. Yeah, and the biggest being 128 completely cleaned out, so he would have went 130 dressed, and the smallest one was 105. And, um, yeah, one costs me and my brother a fair bit of money in vet bill, but he was 114 kilo, that one, and he uh, gave the dogs a fair touch-up. cost me $1,000 to get my old dog Barney fixed up, um, and $300 each for my brother's two dogs. But he, he was a really good pig. But, yeah, we had a really good run of catching big boars like over that period. We put a big effort in too, though. We knew they were getting about, and we weren't catching them every time we went, but we were we were going three or four nights every week to to get the ones where we knew the areas that they were hanging out in. And, um, and of course, too, a couple of them that we did jag just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. I got a 116-kilo fella that was in the pines, um, just happened to be driving along on an Arbo hunt. Was very lucky. Dogs flew off and started him chasing for a long way and caught him in really thick tea tree down in a creek. But um, he he was a real good pig. But they were still carrying a lot of weight. Those boars they'd done so well over time. The drought was starting to make them move, but it certainly didn't uh, affect their body weights because they were they were as fat as mud. But um, yeah, they were good hunts. But I've had some good hunts out west too. Or one one trip we went up there four days we spent hunting and we caught um 130 something pigs it was and uh Shh. yeah completely watered dogs out and buddy, we put uh i think it was 65 in the chiller out of that so yeah that that was a good unmemorable one that stuck in my mind um hunts up around uh forge bridge and yenabula and those areas where we go up there and catch big tusky boars and a lot of them good hunts as well but, um, yeah, they're, they're all good hunts out there, but definitely catching the big boars around here. Big mountain boars. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely um, that's the be-all and end-all of it for me. It's good getting your dogs out west. It's good training for them. It's good to get them hooky, cranky fellas. But to catch the big boars around here where they're pressured and they're smart, they're, um, yeah, that that's where the really good hunts come. That one that cost you and your brother a vet bill, yep. was, that, was that the biggest you've caught? No, 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 he's not the biggest. That that one that I've got on the wall, you've seen his head out there. That hunt, On this side, he's uh, 128 cleaned out. He was He was the he's the biggest one I've ever caught. I got another one oh, pretty close to his size. Um, when we were younger, we never ever weighed him. I caught him out near KBD on my uncle's place and uh, he'd have went right up in the high 120 kilos dressed as well. Um, he was a monster of a pig, but... Uh, we got, yeah, we never weighed him. Um, we did get him out, but uh, back then had no scales and wasn't that concerned really, you know. We, yeah. we knew he was way over 100 and we were pretty happy with him. Yeah. Uh, did you have chest plates? Yeah, yeah, always. It used to make me own out of leather. Um, and as time's gone on, they've come into making them out of seatbelt and... Kevlar and all that sort of stuff now and made them a lot lighter than what the old leather ones were. So that's what we run on them now. But yeah, on me balers, I've always just ran rip collars around their necks just to keep them protected, not that they get hit too often. But um, yeah, on the blokes that lug onto them and the dogs that get older, I always try and protect them the best I can. Still, at times, they do get hit. But um, yeah, it does, it prevents 90% of the of the bad ones anyway and in the vital areas. Is it what is there a specific chest plate that you like to go for or? Oh no not really. Um JS Enterprise ones just getting around um I've been around for a few years they're nice and light. Um anything that sort of covers them up that doesn't restrict them too much and still pretty light. There's a lot of good ones getting around on the market now. So um yeah there's nothing I particularly like brand um, Tom's tarps have got good ones. They need, like, you know, there's different things you've got to do to them. They, they're a nice light collar, but you've got to put a, a bit underneath the chin to stop the tusk getting them up under the chin. And you also got to put flaps on the legs of them because they're up a little bit too high and they get hit up the front of the legs. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of good collars about now, though. And they're all getting pretty similar in design. It's just different names and different people making them, really. Yep. Yeah. Um, you. You've 
done the Mackay hunting comp, haven't you? Yep, yep. How's that go? Yeah, that's a good comp. I went up there and uh, won it with me mate Chester Brody. It lives up in Mackay. Um, yeah, we won that with a. Oh, he, I think he dressed, might have been 97 something, that we won it with. It was a good comp. Good people up there. Bloody beautiful area, a lot different than hunting around here. Um, hunting sugar cane? Yeah, hunting yep. sugar cane. We hunted sugar cane, hunted a bit of sunflower and sorghum and that sort of thing as well. But um, yeah, we got a couple of good tusky boars in that other area, but to get that real big fella, we got him off to cane. But um, they pulled him up on the edge of the rainforest. But we also, on that, that trip there, we lost one up in the rainforest. It was uh, Chester did end up getting him, and I think he went at at 130 something. Oh shit! But we lost him one morning. The dog started him in the um, in the uh, rainforest. He just got out of the cane just before we got there. We were probably oh, 10 minutes too late, and um, he actually had a trail camera set up, which you can see on the DVD. He had a trail camera set up in the cane, shining on the spot, and he'd only left when we worked at the time. He'd only left 10 minutes before we got in there and the dogs only started him up in the up in the rainforest probably 200 metres from the edge of the boundary where the cane was um, but it's safe thick in there like them blokes, yeah they've got it tough going like we've got our blackberry and stuff down here which is hard going but they've got hillsides full of thick that thick you just got to crawl and crawl and crawl and they've got this bloody um, plant up there called moonlighter that you've got to really watch out for. If you brush along the leaves a bit, it'll give you an itch and a rash that lasts up to three months and it'll nearly drive you insane. And yeah, so that's, uh, they've got a few more nasty, nasty plants in the rainforest than what we've got in our bush down here. So uh, they, yeah, they certainly, if they can get their pigs in the cane, they nine times out of 10, they get them. But if they get up there into that rainforest, as I've seen when I was there with Chester, um, yeah, it, you know, it's only comes back to 50-50 then. Yeah. You can get them if you're lucky. But, yeah, as far as the comp goes, mate, it was a good comp, well run. Um, yeah, Paul McFarlane runs it. It was well run comp. Enjoyed enjoyed every bit of that. Um, as money and family goes, it's hard to get up there every year, but I wish I could get up there every year for it. But, um, unfortunately, you can't do everything. And, yeah, but... The one we did go and did win, and yeah, I enjoyed every moment. That was on the pig hunting DVD, was it? Yeah, it was on the pig hunting DVD. Um, I think number three or something like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll work it out and yeah. I'll, I'll post it. Yeah. People want to go find it? Yeah, no, that, it was good. Good hunt. A while ago, the 7.30 did a report on pig hunting, and they showed the Mackay hunting comp. Yep. And then whoever, there's a woman in Sydney there somewhere, like a premier or something, and she's flat out on a mission trying to get pig hunting banned in New South Wales. Yep. Like, what? what's your opinion on that then? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't like to see a band. I think one day, sooner or later, as, as our country's going on, I think we're getting softer and softer as a general population. Um, I'd definitely see getting banned sometime in the future. Um... I think I've seen the best of it, and unfortunately, I think the best is behind us with it. But um, yeah, like young blokes trying to get into it these days and start now, like I don't know what I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't start if I had to start now from scratch. It's only it's been something that's been in me for so long, and I I you know I take my young bloke out now and I try and teach him the ropes and teach him respect and show him everything that I can with it but um, yeah I definitely think mate it's going to get uh, banned one day because uh, yeah the push will keep coming the game cancel's doing a lot towards helping um, where it's concerned and, and numbers in hunters are, like there is a lot of pig hunters out there now it's, yeah not to mention like there's like a heap of pig hunting magazines and like, yep. there's a lot of media for pig hunting yep. in the country and mate it does it generates a lot of revenue into the community and, and shops and um, especially areas like Oberon service stations and pie shops things like that um, it's definitely like in that sort and, and it helps out farmers I hunt a lot of blokes private properties around here you know and they're stoked when you come back to their house and you've got a ute load of pigs because you know the damage it does not just livestock but the, the um, feed all that sort of thing, and 
tearing up their paddocks and yeah, they can and they can do a bloody lot of damage. But um, yeah, there's the farming side of it. Most of them are more than happy, especially if they know you and you've got respect like within the farming community and they know you do the right thing. You're generally pretty good. Like, um, But yeah, like as you know yourself, there's an element of people out there too that make it hard for everyone. And um, yeah, and that's probably where this comes around, where the band and the pig hunting, because as you know, social media, everything's on it these days and blokes posting pictures of big dogs swinging off suckers. Mm. Stuff like that can turn people off, you know? Yeah. And the same, um, you know, it's the same for blokes that carting pigs around on the back of the ute. Like, I cart mine hanging off the back of the ute from wherever I'm hunting so they bleed out to, to bring them home, to cut them up for me dogs, and I use them as a resource. And, like, for my dog food, helps pay for my dogs and, and that sort of thing. But a lot of blokes... They cart them around for the fact to let someone else see them, you know, mm. and then go and dump them on the side of the road out of Blenheim, things like that, which yeah. makes me wonder why the hell would you even bother going through the effort of dragging it out? Yeah. Why go through the effort of getting it back to just go and dump it right near town? Things like that don't give us a good name. Nah, no. And I drove down the street the other night with my wife and there was a bloke parked out the front of our local IGA of two pigs hanging off the back of his ute, parked over the top of the, over the, top of the footpath. Uh, you imagine what the way the blood's going. Yeah, that's not going to leave a good look. It's not. People have got to realise, you know, we're probably not even a percent of the population pig hunting as far as, you know, over the broad community. And, um, yeah, like, if people see stuff like that, it definitely it definitely doesn't go in our favour. And um, and that makes it harder. And as that lady was, that, that when she was up there at Mackay, that comp, I was there at that comp. She come and asked me to do an interview that say, for that report, and I found something sus straight away. Well, just talking to her, she come across as she was trying to act like a, a country chick, but she never come, like I could just see straight through it, and um, and say so it could. And to be honest with you, ninety nine percent of the people she was asking everyone there around us, and no one would do it. And the bloke that was genuine enough to do it and took her out because he had his own farm. And was, a, and was a bloody nice bloke. I met him up there and had a good yak to him. Tried to show her to decide what the pigs do and to the cane and all that sort of thing, you know, and he tried to generally do the right thing to, to show her the story, but they, they'd put it out in a, a completely different light. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then the other footage they got of pigs being attacked in traps by dogs and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff didn't do doesn't do anyone any favours. No, it's... Not too good. No, no, that's right. But um, yeah, get getting back. I think one day, mate. I yeah, I just think the way we're going as a community, people starting to frown more upon those sort of things. I look back at it as you know a bit of a tradition as well. Um, besides pest control and everything else that goes with it, it's um, you go back to our ancestors who all hunted. All hunted with dogs and and a knife or a spear, and uh, and that's what a lot of it comes back to for me too. Is that bit of attachment to back when we were, um, yeah, back in the days before firearms, cameras, phones, all that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> and that's the way it was done around the world. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's a part of that, I suppose. That gives me a bit of an attraction to it as well. Yep. Is there any? How many states have you hunted? Um, pretty much just New South Wales and Queensland. Yes, they haven't done Northern Territory or Nah, nah, haven't been Northern Territory. Um, love to get up there for a trip, that's for sure. Um, for the barra fishing as well. Oh yeah. And to look around, and one day I'll get there, mate. It's just yeah, getting time and get getting time. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd definitely love to get up to Territory for a look about. Yeah, have you... it's always something that's been on my bucket list. Yeah, that or the Cape, you know, the same thing. I'd love to get up to the Cape for a look around. Um, Mackay's the highest up I've been, but been out around Fargaminder and those areas in Queensland, and um, it's pretty much the same country. If you go on to Burke, it's pretty much the same country all yep. the way through then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but Burke's definitely holds a spot in my heart. Love hunting that area, been hunting that area since, like, sort of 1994. I've been going up there, got a few good properties and good mates that live up there and 
And, um, yeah, love getting up there a couple of times a year. Still get up there. Well, I used to get up there five or six times a year, but now it's uh, more down to two at the moment. But, yeah, you can only do what you can do with the time you've got. So. Yeah. If you can get up there, it's always good. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love it, mate. I love getting out there. Uh, it's just good country. It's just a bit of not so much pressure hunting either. You know, like down here, you are always got to be on the ball to try and um, hunt the mountains up there you can sort of relax a little bit more and the dogs catch like buddy yep. well 99.9% of the pigs they get on do they catch up there yep. and um, yeah flat country no bloody great mountains to run up yep. and no blackberries to tear through and yeah I love getting love getting out there oh, well must have been at Charleville I was coming back home from a trip up up the centre with mum and dad and all Pulled up at the pub there to get a feed, and it was like eight o'clock, and there was a couple of fellas there that already been to the chillers and already had like a ute load full of pigs already in the chiller box by eight o'clock. Yep. Like, and it was like a heap of roadkill on along the side of the road, and the pigs were going for the roadkill. Yep. So it must have been a drought or something. I can't remember. I was during the live export trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when that got banned and shit hit the fan with that. Okay, I remember that. It was going down at the time, and just folks just. Pig, getting pigs off the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. No, that you do see them up there all the time. I've um, yeah, I've seen a lot of pigs off the road travelling back and forwards through there, and especially when it's dry, like you're saying, especially when it's dry and it's warm and the roos, they start coming to the side of the road because it's the last green pick left in the area. Yep. Cars and, and trucks are knocking the roos ass over it, and yeah, then we got the buddy, um, the pigs come out then and get stuck into the roos, and yeah, you can. You can drive up through near that country there, and you'll see them on the side of the road eating eating the dead roos. Yeah, um, they will. They like everything else. I'll keep travelling till they find food, and then they'll find that food that's a source all the way, and I'll just keep following it along. And um, that's that's why you see them off the sides of the roads like that, because that's where the food's getting provided because because uh, cars knocking the roos over. But um, yeah, but and there's a lot of pigs up in that country too. Oh yeah, right through that country, a lot of pigs. No, uh, pigs are a bit different coloured here. Like up in the mountain, they sort of got that gingery, that reddy sort of colour about. Or is that just something I'm making up? Oh, no. Like your different areas to pigs around here. Like um, you'll see more colours in different areas too than other areas where there's more black ones. And um, But generally, yeah, like you can get them from pure white to, to red as. And, um, yeah, like black, black and whites, buddy, all sorts of colours. But, you know, the pigs around here, they're a lot more, oh, a lot better tucker and they grow, but they're a bit different strain than the pigs you see out west too. Yeah. A lot of the pigs, you know, because they, they're doing a bit harder for tucker and that most of the time they're sort of shelly sort of pigs, like they're a bit bigger in frame, but they don't carry a lot of weight. Yeah. Where a pig down here the same size is probably 40, 50 kilos and... And the pig up there, that's like that looks like he could be that size, probably thirty kilos. Yeah. You know, and um, but yeah, as far as colour, like you see them, you see them all different colours. Like Friday night, I caught one that was nearly pure red, with a couple of black dots on it. And, um, and that area where I was hunting Friday night, you do see a lot of a lot of pigs coming out of that country that are red or black and whites. Whereas you go sort of out eastern side of Oban, you'll see a lot of like red and gingery fellas or you'll see um, a lot of pure black blokes like that yep. way so yeah but, um, and go out the western side in a lot of those forests and there'll be a lot of black and white spotted ones as well but yeah so I, I just think that's a bit in their genes and what's different what, areas what causes tusk growth like why would a mountain boar like get real big and solid in terms of body but He's, tusk quality isn't as good as say one out further west or up at the Cape yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. Again, I think it's a lot in their genes. I think like the pigs out west are the real true wild pigs. Um, around here, they're probably still from years ago when there was some pigs let go. Like uh, I know I'm talking a long time ago now, but it probably still travels through a lot of their genes. I know pigs down um, Urantry Way and that where I used to hunt down there, they were more really wild. They were um, big, hairy, rough-looking pigs with good sets of tusks on them. Used to get some really good sets of tusks from down there. But, um, yeah, we get 
around here, like I think too, the pigs grow a lot quicker around here because yep. they've got a lot of tucker. So a pig here that might only be 18 months old, they grow similar to what a dog grows. So you know how a pup's like fully grown at sort of, you know, 18 months old. Well, pigs are very similar. So if he's been out west, he might be only that size, but he's old and he's got a good set of hooks on him, whereas down here they're only young, but they might be 80-odd kilo and young and only got bloody uh, dog ripper tusks on them. But, yeah, but you definitely don't get the, the quality tusks around here. Like, I've got a few real big sets, like, over the years, but far and few between compared to what you do. Like, some trips out west, you can come back with 10 or 12 really big sets of tusks and sometimes more, depending on the area you're hunting and how many pigs are about. And you might you wouldn't catch that here in two or three years to get that that amount of tusks. Uh, but I definitely think it comes back to their genes, mate, and and yep. um, yeah, the way they bred the strain of pig they are. Yep. Yeah. And uh, probably around here too, they're digging a bit harder in the like out west. The ground's a lot softer. Yeah. They're, yeah. True. You know, and they around here they're digging up big basalt stones and in around chewing into that sort of stuff trying to get worms and grubs and things like that probably keeps yep. their tusks worn down a bit yeah because sometimes you'll see them as thick as your thumb but they'll only be an inch or so long yeah and um yeah you can definitely like they've been snapped off and worn down and because they'll have a big set of top tusks on them but whereas out west i don't think they get that chewing into things like that like they do around here and lets them grow out to a good set of tusks on them yeah, but you spent a lot of years out in the bush, obviously. Yeah, I've spent a lot, a lot of time, mate. Um, years ago, look, yeah, we used to be out four or five nights a week, days a week, sort of thing. Especially when I started doing shift work for a while, you'd be work a couple of days and spend the next couple of days pig hunting, and then you'd have seven day breaks. You'd tear off out west and hunt, hunt around the Macquarie Marshes or Burke and. Then come back here and you'd only have to work for a couple of days and then you'd have a couple more off so you'd be hunting back in the mountains again and that's when I had my best dogs that I've ever had but that come through the amount of hunting I was doing too. Yeah. Well, the more you do, the better they get. And yeah, but um, yeah, I've spent a lot of time, mate. A lot of time, a lot of good memories. Yeah. So, seen anything unusual in your, in your dime? Um, no, I wouldn't say nothing really out of the ordinary. You know, like I talked to a few blokes. I remember one time hunting on a property down near Taranar and, you know, all the stories about the bloody Taranar big black cat and all that <laughs> sort of thing. i seen a whopping big black cat down there, but I'm not about to say it was no pamper because it stood on a windrow looking at me. It was just a dirty big feral cat. But, um, you know, for the untrained eye or or someone that could let their imagination run away with them, it, it was a big bugger. Like, you know, it was probably pretty close to a smaller size Kelby. And, 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 yeah, like it may be, I've seen a lot of feral cats, but I've never seen one like the size of that bugger. But, um, yeah, he was just a just a big black feral cat. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You hear all the stories about different things out in the bush, but I've never seen too much out of the ordinary. The more things out of the ordinary is how pigs can all of a sudden be there and disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're like ghosts. But, um, yeah, which is pretty pretty incredible to see the how they can get away at times from the dogs, but, yeah, that that's probably more of an eye-opener than anything else I've ever seen out in the bush. Yeah. yeah I think I yeah, took photos of a dingo taken on a wombat, didn't you? Yep, I did, yeah. Anybody, cattle came and chased yep, it off? Yep, that's right. Right. Yeah, I got um, got photos of that. I uh, probably got, oh, I think, a dozen shots all up. I got, um, when I first come over to crest of a hill... And I looked down into this like gully, and he's only probably 150 metres off me. Um, and he's got a wombat bailed up, and he's running around and around it. And buddy, uh, then the wombat would try and run it. He'd run in and grab it by its back leg, give it a good shake and by its back leg. And uh, he actually had like a bit of the back leg muscles tore out of it. And um, that's blood there, bit like a bailing dog, like a dingo's. Not a not they're not a brave dog by any means like they'll attack the weaker sort of things and always attack from behind and to try and maim maim animals you know to get them down but um yeah he had it he had it had it pretty much buggered and we watched for a while that's where i got all the good photos and um 
Yeah, and then the cattle being like, well, you know yourself, having cattle on your own farm, you know what they're like at times with dogs. Yeah. With just your farm dogs. Like, they'll come and bore it up any farm dog. And anyway, um, yeah, that's what they did. They come from everywhere in the paddock and they, they come and they pretty much stood around. I took, I kept kept the camera going and I got photos where they walked right up to the wombat where the wombat was underneath the cattle and they hunted the, hunted the dog away. And he stood probably 30 metres from them and he knew there was nothing he could do because the cattle were standing all, like pretty much around in an arch around it and that's the last few photos I got. And then the dog looked up and noticed us and just hammered then. That ran for about 200 metres, stopped at the boundary, looked back at us and ran ran out into the scrub. But, yeah, I suppose that, and that way is a bit of a bizarre thing to come across. Yep. But I've seen I've seen things like that where it's, I don't call that, um, like I suppose it's a bit bizarre in a way, but it's it's still natural. Yeah. Um, as far as things like yowies and pampers and that yeah. sort of stuff go, <laughs> mate, yeah. None of that sort of stuff, mate. Blue Mountains, yowies up here, but... Nah. Um, yeah, but I've I've seen a lot of things like things like that, you know, um, where yeah you see nat- natural sort of stuff that makes you sit up and look. Things that eagles do at different times, and I've seen an eagle trying to get a kid goat out between a rock where he was standing there, and um, he was trying to. I think actually David Young might have happened to be with me that time. I'm pretty sure it was Dave Young with me, and we could hear this little goat squealing. And when we got around the corner of the river. He's a big wedge-tailed eagle and he's trying to get his claws and his head in and the goat was buried far enough into the rocks that the eagle couldn't get into the hole. Right. And it was giving it a hard time until we walked right down. But, yeah, that, things like that that you see that are pretty amazing. Um, yeah, like you just happen to be in the right spot at the right time. And like I said, mate, that's natural things for, the, yep. to, for what happens in the bush. And, yeah, it's just, just lucky enough to be in the right spot at the right time to get to see it for yourself. Now, was exactly implying that you're going to be lugging up the owie while trying to catch a pig or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, none of that. But um, yeah, other things, you know, different things you see. And like I, I was fortunate enough, I haven't seen that in all my life. And I had my young bloke with me that day. And um, that's what I said to him to take a good look at it. You know, he was a lot littler than what he is now. And I said, take a good look at this because you'll probably never see this ever, nothing like this ever again, you know. Um, and that's and that's part of hunting too. That you can, if you can pass it on to your your kids and you know teach them respect, show them stuff like that that they're never going to see. You know, you're going to see that sitting in front of no PlayStation and um, or down the street. You know, they only see that sort of stuff from spending time in the bush. And and they're the things too that keeps me going now yep. with hunting and that. There's times I like think that I should be giving it up. I'm getting a fair bit of age on me now from, <laughs> from what I used to be and other things become priority too in your life. And um, sometimes uh, even the things you love most, like pig hunting, you gotta, it's got to take a back back step from it. And, um, yeah, there's other things that come up. But when you still get out, you try and share those special moments. And and um, especially with your, if you can teach kids and teach even, you know, Mates, different blokes that come onto the scene at different times, and if you can teach them the right way about doing things and looking after the bush and looking after people's properties and stuff like that, and have a bit of a respect, um, I think you've, you're doing still doing a pretty good job, regardless of how many pigs you're catching or that sort of thing. It's not always about how many you get; it's about um, what you learn and and what you see in the bush. I've got a couple of mates that've been that I've known all my life, you know, they've been hunting as long as me and um, one from Canberra and one in Sydney and they're still still into it these days, days same as me. It doesn't they don't get the time to do it like we used to when we were young blokes, but um, they still spend a fair bit of time doing it and they're still like, you know, they've got it up in the brain. You've seen seen it all. You you know where to look, you know the areas to go to and that sort of stuff and they those blokes have been doing it for a long time and, and still very very good hunters, and um, yeah, pass it on to the younger blokes. They got kids, you know, and and um, and teach younger fellas too. And you just hope that they do the right thing, you know, when they get their chance to do it. When it comes around, what was the best dog that you've had? Um, my best dog was definitely um, the first dog I ever owned, Peggy the pig dog. I called her. She was um, a dog out of. Two of Jackman Fawns, really good dogs, old Nig and Tig. Um, 
she was a honey pup of the litter. Um, old Jack gave it to me, and yeah, I I was still at school when I got her, and myself and my brother we used to every day I I'd keep a bit of pigskin in our dog meat fridge where my dad had his dog meat fridge, and every day we'd get home from school from a little pup, and we'd let that dog out and we'd drag pigskin around the yard and we'd make that dog sniff it out, you know, and we taught it from a young age to how to find that pigskin, and then we started hanging it in trees and hiding it under buckets so she'd have to tip the bucket over and stuff like that to get the pigskin out. And I definitely think all that paid off in the long run. Um, plus Jack had really good dogs and I used to go with him every single weekend hunting and she'd run with his dogs all the time. And and then when she sort of got to about nine months old, never seen too many dogs. I've seen dogs fluke the odd pig before nine months old, but i never seen a dog like her that could consistently pull big fines off the back of the ute at that age. She was like a dog that was three years old where she was really only like nine months old. And as time progressed, she just got better and better and better. And yeah, she was a cracker of a dog, mate. Um, I've never seen a dog as good as her. Um, she was a sort of dog, she was laid back. She'd just stand on a tray, hop off the back of the ute. And she wouldn't tear into the scrub a million miles an hour like the other dogs or anything like that. If she'd done that, you knew the pig was right close on the side of the road for her to run like that. She would just poke in and poke off and, you know, you'd, you'd have to go looking for her. And she was the sort of dog you didn't need any other dogs. If you took a rifle and took her, she didn't matter how big the boar was, when you turned up, she'd have him bailed up, she'd have him sitting on the ground. And um, she used to lug on with the other dogs, but if she was on her own, she'd get them. She got a big couple of big hidings when she was younger. She learnt the dangerous end of them, so... Yeah, but she used to grab them by the nuts and she, she'd sit them down. Yeah, she was good. Oh, that, mate, if you've got a baler, it can do that. But a hocks on the nuts, that's the best you can get for a baler. That's the way to sit them big balls down. And um, that's the way she used to be. And Yeah, she, she was an exceptional dog. I've had a lot of good dogs, a lot of really good dogs with good noses. Even the ones I've got now have got really good noses. But, um, yeah, she was definitely a standout. I've seen a lot of good dogs other blokes have had as well, and um, but I've never seen nothing come close to being as good as what that dog was. So, using the pigskin, like dragging pigskin along the ground and running it with other dogs, is that how you tra train the dogs, usually? No, no, nah, 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 that's the thing, mate. Like, I had the time on my hands back then as a young fella, and then generally after that, she was I got her going, and then she's taught all my other dogs. She taught the next generation... And so on, so forth. You know, they have all uh, the best ones taught the next one down, and that's how I've always taught me other dogs from then on. Um, you put a lot of time into them because you do a lot of stock work and that sort of thing. I'm pretty fortunate. With me, our farms only just out of town, so we've got sheep and cattle there. So from a young age, take the pups out there, walk them with the sheep, walk them with the cattle. They get used to what they got to do, what they don't. They learn with the ruse. There's that many ruse about. It doesn't take them much to teach them not to chase ruse. Uh, wombats can be a bit of a problem. I don't have too much drama with them, like I said, because the older dogs teach the younger ones and the older ones don't do it. But generally from young pups, you take them to a property that's got a lot of wombats on it and that's where you teach them, like one way or another, like whether you use a zapping collar or, you know, or you give them a bit of a hiding, whatever way that buddy... Uh, I don't like to sort of give them a real good flogging because I don't like to make them scared. I'd rather a zapping collar turned on to about mid-strength and use me voice. But, um, yeah, I generally haven't had too much trouble, mate, with, with any... I've never had no stock trouble with no dogs. Um, never had brew trouble, really. Um, young dogs every now and then, like I said, with wombats, because they look so much like a pig running across a paddock and that yep. sort of thing. But it doesn't generally take too much to get them out of them. As long as your older dogs do the right thing, the younger dogs will generally do the right thing. But um, I've got no doubt dragging that skin... If I had to start a dog from scratch right now and I never had any pig dogs in my yard and I had to do a dog from scratch from a pup, that's exactly the, that's the method I'd go back to. I'd do exactly how I'd done that dog back from those young days. I'd uh, drag that pig skin around because it definitely taught that, taught that dog how to find really good. And the repetition, like as you know yourself with stock dogs and that, it's repetition of work that makes them, makes them better. And uh, that's definitely what I'd do if I had to start a pup from scratch without me other dogs. I'd drag that skin around, get it used to finding, get it used to the smell, tracking the smell down, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, you just, 
like a lot of young blokes do. They go, they want to start a dog. I don't say they do that, what I used to do with that skin, but they go out with older blokes or blokes that have got good dogs, and that's what they teach their dogs off their good dogs then, and then generally go their own way. But um, once you've got a dog finding, but yeah, that and that's that's what I, I would do if I had to start from scratch. I'd go back to Dragnet, skin around, and then I'd just get in with someone and take me dog with someone that's got good dogs, you know, like um, Ash and fellas like that that have got good dogs, don't do nothing wrong, you'd be trying to teach them off their dogs um, just to learn that jumping off the tray or that sort of side of the business. Yep. But um, my mate in Canberra, Mitch, he trains a lot of good dogs and he's, a, he's one of the best dog men I've ever seen. He trains his a lot from walking. He'll just take a pub out and... You know, he'll take it out with his main dog for a while and get it get it used to finding a pig on the ground and then he'll leave that dog at home or in the cage and he'll walk that pup and he, he might walk for 10 or 15 k's in a day until he just keeps walking good gullies and good areas, areas he knows he's got pigs and that's how he trains his dogs. And then he makes them responsible. They, they start stepping up because the older dog's not there and that's how he gets them going so early. Right. And, yeah. But there's a lot of time, a lot of time, mate, effort, money it doesn't come easy as you see you see like I see in Oberon all the time mate young blokes that start up and drop out six months later some don't even last that long mm. you know it's it's not all they go out for a run with someone and think oh shit this pig hunting's good you know there's a good yep. rush chasing dog down through the scrub getting a pig until you actually see the amount of work effort that goes into it and that's why a lot of people like you know if it was that easy everyone would be doing it yeah. And um, you see, for instance, they, they go and get cages, dogs, breastplates, trackers. Six months later, they're up for sale. Yeah. You know, and uh, because it's not as easy as as it looks. It's actually, it's a buddy, it's a tough game. It's probably the hardest hunting hunting that you can do, I, I think, anyway, in my opinion. Um, you can put a gun away for 12 months, you know, and as long as you've still got it in your mind, you can get that gun back out and go and stalk game. But if you put a dog away for 12 months, you know, you've got to condition that dog for for another, for another weeks and weeks and weeks on end to try and get him back hunting. You've got, got to keep him fit like a person and oh, all that. Oh, mate, yeah. Well, you know, it's like playing football. You go out and try and play football after not doing nothing for 12 months. You're going to run out of steam and get smacked around. And, um, yeah, dog's very similar. You take him out out of Nick and he's not going to catch nothing for a start these days the way the pigs run, but... If he does happen to catch up with one, he's going to cop mostly a belt. And if he's not in good, good condition, like I said, mate, work, work, and times what makes them good, what keeps them good. And um, yeah, that's about it. You take your dogs out hunting to keep them fit and wouldn't you? Like you don't take them for runs or anything? Oh yeah, I still take them running as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I run run them at least three or four days a week. Yeah, especially at the moment, like through football season's hard with me with my young bloke. Yeah. Because we do so much training and so much football. So, yeah, just about every afternoon I come home from work, I throw them on the ute and take them out to Blenheim Forest and got a little track there, goes for about five kilometres and I run them around that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And um, it's got a dam about halfway along, give them a drink and then, yeah, that keeps their stamina and keeps their speed and fitness up. Because, uh, yeah, I've a couple of times over, I've had a couple of times where I haven't gone out for a few months on end, like over summer months mainly, yep. back when I was younger, and you'd just go and do fishing and stuff like that for something for a bit of a change. And then you might have a farmer ring you up and say, oh, we've got pigs, and you go out there with dogs that are out of shape and out of nick, and they look bloody stupid. And it drives <laughs> you mad then. But you can't blame the dog because you're the one that's let him get like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so now I just, as a general rule, probably for the last 10 years, mate, or longer, I've, I've ran my dogs a lot for fitness. Um, gets them out, stretches their legs. And, uh, yeah, you've got to keep them conditioned. When you hunt, how many dogs do you take out at a time? I've got only got four dogs. Yep. Yeah, no, I take the whole four. Um, depending on the country I'm on, in, sometimes I only hunt one on the tray at a time. Sometimes I put the whole four up. Um, my dogs, I think it's from the way they've been taught all over from the other dogs over the years. I'm very fortunate a lot of times. My dogs, if I come across a mob of pigs and there's four of them, a lot of times I'll catch four. I'll catch a pig each, but I'll get three with the four. 
I've been very lucky like that. In, and that's always, my dogs have always been the same like that. They've, um, yeah, they've, they've sort of come and found found pigs and caught caught a few out of a mob. But, um, yeah, that's generally how many... But sometimes people come with you too that have got a dog. Yep. But not, I don't very often now. I just usually hunt my young bloke and just out a couple of dogs and that's it. Yep. And uh, But, yeah, it just depends on the country you're in, whether where you, how many you hunt. But, yeah, a lot of times if the baler bales one up, then you let the other three out. Yep. And that sort of thing, and they'll go down and hold it. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's about it. That's about it, mate. Yeah. yeah that's good. Um, you go to your Instagram? Yep. Yeah, well, what's that for people want nobody look you up and follow you? Uh, Collie Dog 123. Yep. On Instagram. Got a few pigs up there. Yep. Yeah. And that's all I've got, mate. Don't yep. do no other social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, People want to see you in action. They can just go find the pit, one of the big hunting DVDs, surely. Yeah, well, I was, um, in the first one, didn't you? First two, first, first issue, first three actually with the Mackay one as well. Oh yeah, I was in the first issue and the second issue, and then um, the Mackay. Yep, big boar hunt, but yeah, had me dogs. My dog, they were, those dogs were pretty young then. I've only got one of those dogs left, but it's going back a fair while. Yeah, a couple of years ago now. Oh yeah, a long time ago now, mate. Um, I can't even think how long. Probably. I only just got out of school when they, when they started making them DVDs, I think. Yeah, so yeah. About five years ago. Yeah, yeah. I could have been, could have been even longer than that, was it? No, oh, really? could yeah. be. Yeah, I think it was, mate. I think it was. Um, I know Raz is the only dog I've got left out of those dogs that are in that DVD. Those dogs were all pretty young then. They were all only around um, 18 months to two years old and... And, um, yeah, she's she's the only one I've got left out of them. Yep. So, um, yeah, so it's going back a while, but you can see a bit of action from back then, mate. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, thanks for tuning in, and thank, thank you very much for let, let me t- have you on. No worries at all, Cody. It's yep. a pleasure. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, mate.